0: I want to welcome you today to Easter at Believing. If you're joining us at Church Online or you're watching this online on demand, and this is Easter Sunday, I am so honored, so grateful you're joining with us. If you're listening to the podcast or you're watching this on our YouTube channel, watching this online after the fact, today as we gather, we are celebrating Easter at believing, And today, before we take one step further, I want to begin by by leaning into one of the accounts of that resurrection Sunday morning today for our purposes. I want to look at Matthew chapter 28 verses one through 10 and read the words Matthew gives us before we begin to unpack its significance on today, because I believe that with all my heart. That what we are celebrating on Easter, why we have gathered, why you've tuned in or are listening, it matters to life, it matters to our world, it matters to our existence today. And so we're going to study God's word by reading it for a second. And then I'm going to take you on a journey to help you maybe see Easter like you've never seen it before. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1, here's the way the scripture reads. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Today is a day of celebration for Christians because of this reality, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, whether you're a person of faith or not, I'm going to say something right now that maybe you've never heard in your life. I'm going to say something that for some of you, you might push back on. Give me a minute. But this is a day of celebration. It is a day of great rejoicing for people of faith in Jesus. It is the most significant day in all of human history. It's the most significant day that we celebrate all year, and here is why. Because the entirety of the Christian faith hangs on the one event that we celebrate today. Everything that we believe, everything that you, person of faith, would want to live out hangs literally on this one event. Either Jesus was resurrected from the grave, just like he said, or he wasn't. Our faith, if you're a Christian, our faith, if you believe God, if you believe Jesus died for your sin, if you believe that salvation is found in no one else, our entire faith, does not hang on the veracity of the Bible. Our entire faith does not, does not hang on the witness of the church. See, that's where some of you may be, you're not a person of faith, and you're not a person of faith because you say, well, I have seen people who call themselves Christians, and they... They they don't look any different than me. I understand. There are a lot of people that say they believe Jesus and they don't live like they believe Jesus. They say Jesus has changed their life and they don't live like Jesus has changed their life. Guess what? Their testimony is not what our faith hangs on. Our faith doesn't hang on the stories of the Bible or the principles of the Bible. The entirety of the Christian faith hangs on one thing and one thing alone. The resurrection of Jesus and church person, person of faith you don't have to agree with me you don't have to believe what I've said (laughs) read your Bible Paul actually says this 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 14 he says if Christ has not been raised from the dead our preaching is worthless and so is your faith he says if Jesus did not get up From the grave, if early on that first Easter Sunday morning, the tomb was not empty. Then he said, all of our preaching, can I make it real practical for us here in Memphis, Tennessee, for us here in believing, that all of our, all of the work that we do, all the services that we host, all of the food we may give away, all of the outreach that is done, all of the witness that we try to be in our community, all of it is worthless and so is your faith. If he didn't get up there uh, is a British theologian, an Anglican priest by the name of Michael Green, and he says Christianity does not hold the resurrection to be one among many tenets of belief. Without faith in the resurrection, there would be no Christianity at all. Literally, our faith hangs on the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Full stop. It's troubling, though, as people want to put their own meaning, their own idea on what this thing is that we call Easter. People love to do this with holidays. People love to take holidays and sort of season their own particular flavor their own particular idea and their own particular wants into what the holiday is what the holiday should actually even be about. You see, I, for one, believe that eating is a big part of holidays. Eating well is a big part of holidays. You see, in my family and in our sort of like habit of things, we, we, we eat good at Christmas, We do. And can I tell you, just in all honesty, the reason we eat good at Christmas is because because we have Christmas at my house. (laughs) And for years and years and years, wherever we've lived, Christmas has sort of happened at, at me and my wife's house. And we make sure people are going to eat good. We handle the majority of the cooking. We handle the majority of the purchasing. We're going to make sure people have enough good food, great food, more than That If you like this, we got it. you like that, we're going to take care of it. And people get excited about eating Christmas dinner at our house. But in my family, we also have a problem with another holiday. It's the holiday called Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, I mean, when it comes to your mind, you think about eating, right? I don't know where we got off track, but somewhere in my Thanksgiving eating, we have gotten off track. You see, we don't have Thanksgiving in my house. We, uh, we go to other people's houses for Thanksgiving. And the other people's houses that we go to have decided that rather than make sure we eat well and enjoy what we eat, we should eat some stereotypical food whether or not it's good or not <laughs> and we should acquire said food in the easiest way possible are you familiar with Abbies? you see one of these commercials somewhere Abbies, i believe their slogan is uh it's how the south does fast food let me tell you Abbeys may be how the south does fast food i don't think so but whatever it may be how the south does fast food but let me tell you it is not how the south does thanksgiving dinner However, in my household and in my family, in my extended family, Abby's has become our, our, our go-to when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner. And your boy, this last Thanksgiving, I had to draw a line in the sand. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying? This is a holiday, and we're supposed to eat, and we're supposed to eat good. And what are we doing with this dry stuffing? What are we doing with these not-candid? Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? This, this ain't good. And so I am in the process. pray for me, will you? Of, of correcting some things about Thanksgiving in my family. And I kind of believe that's actually my assignment here today for you. Not about Thanksgiving. I don't care what you eat for Thanksgiving. I hope it's good. I hope it's seasoned, unlike mine. Like, But to correct some of what it is you have put on, some of what it is you have made Easter out to be, Because everybody puts meaning on Easter. For some of you, Easter, the meaning of it is Jesus, so you say. It's like the day you give to Jesus. Some of you, the meaning of it is family and friends. For some of you, the meaning of it is pictures and pastels. For some of you, the meaning of it is egg hunts and extravagance. For some of you, the meaning is all sorts of different things that we call Easter. For some of you, the meaning of it even is to gather in a service like this. Maybe you're sitting in a room and you got some family gathered with you or some friends because you said, we do church in some way on Easter. And you've put meaning on Easter that maybe isn't even what Easter is all about. Who cares what Easter means if Easter didn't happen? If the primary and most important reality that's supposed to bring about Easter didn't happen, who cares what it means? But if what Easter is all about did happen, we have to ask ourselves a very important and very significant question. What does that mean for me? I did not come today to uh, pacify your Easter meaning and desires. I came to ask you this question because who cares really what your meaning of Easter is if it didn't happen? But if it did happen, If the meaning behind Easter really did happen, then what does that mean? And maybe, just maybe, the meaning in Easter is something more than you even ever thought. But we have to start with did it happen? What we celebrate on this Easter and on every Easter is the resurrection, like we read in Matthew 28, the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus was crucified, thrown in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, early on Sunday morning, he rose up out the grave by the power of God. And that is where we have to start. Historically. You see, the fact of the resurrection is a historical matter. When I talk about Easter, I ain't talking about bunnies and bonnets. Hear me, I ain't talking about hats and hairdos. I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact of the resurrection is a historical matter. To say it another way, it either happened or it didn't happen. Jesus really lived, and Jesus really died, and either he was raised from the dead on the third day by the power of God, or he wasn't. This isn't theory. This isn't story. This is either history, or it isn't. Now, history outside of the New Testament records the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't most famously and most impactfully would be the writings of a gentleman by the name of josephus josephus was a roman employed jewish historian in the first century he lived and wrote in the late part of the first century so about 50 or 60 years some of his writings particularly about jesus uh, would have happened 50 or 60 years after jesus literally walked the planet he was a jew by nationality a jew by faith so not a Jesus follower, not a follower of the way. But he was also a Roman employee. That direct deposit hit every other week and it was signed Caesar. You see what I'm saying? Like, so he wasn't someone caught up in the, in the, atmosphere caught up in the caught up in the teachings necessarily of Jesus but he had a job to do and it was to record what actually went on what was actually happening and josephus writes about the existence of Jesus and about the death of Jesus under the watch of pilate and then he records him appearing to many witnesses after his resurrection Now it would not take you long to start doing research and to find some people discrediting and discounting the writing of Josephus. But please understand for a second, Josephus would not have written what he wrote for his own good. He never, history doesn't record ever him testifying of faith in Jesus. It doesn't speak of some conversion of Josephus to want to follow the way. Not only that, it was not for Josephus' benefit personally, nor for the benefit of his employer. He didn't write this because this is what Rome wanted communicated. He wrote it because it was true. His job was to record what history had happened and was happening so that future generations could look back and know what happened in his day. He didn't write what he write because it was easy, because it was you wanted, because he had an agenda. No, 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 no. He wrote what he wrote because it was true. To be quite honest, I think the greatest testimony to the reality, the historical reality of their resurrection does not even come from Josephus' writing. It doesn't come from any other writings that you could find other than those records that give testimony to the lives of these men known as the disciples of Jesus. Jesus had 12 followers that followed him everywhere he went. One of them betrayed him and committed suicide when the guilt of his betrayal hit him. The other 11 and the one who replaced him in spot, so these 12, after the resurrection of Jesus, were completely transformed men. You say, what? Oh, yeah. Because every last one of Jesus' disciples backed off, hid, and or denied him when Jesus was being crucified. Thomas had been a disciple who, who was full of faith and ready to go and do whatever Jesus wanted to do. But then Jesus dies and Thomas doubts. Peter was the loud, outspoken front man for Jesus, ready to conquer the world for Jesus. And then he denies him three times when Jesus needs him most. Because he loved Jesus, but had a hard time trusting him then. Every single one of them, Bartholomew, James, and John, on and on and on, history records Of them taking their life and going all over the then known world, giving testimony of Jesus, preaching the good news of Jesus, preaching that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. And all of them except one literally were killed because of the testimony that they gave. They were boiled They were burned at the stake. They were crucified. David Strauss, who was a 19th century skeptic, said the historian must acknowledge that the disciples firmly believed that Jesus was risen. And if I could push your thinking just a little further, if you just think logically for a second, people have died, people have given their lives throughout all of human history over things that they believed were true that were not. But no one dies. No one gives their life for what they know is a lie. I think the greatest testimony to the resurrection of Jesus is the fact that his disciples were so transformed that they lived their lives in a completely different way. The former chair of modern history at Oxford, a man by the name of Tom Arnold, said it this way. He says, I know of no one fact in history which proved to be better and fuller of evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer, someone who would objectively question, then the great sign which God hath given that the Christ died and rose again from the dead. The fact of what we celebrate on Easter, the fact of the resurrection, is a historical matter. Jesus either resurrected from the grave by the power of God or he didn't. And you may feel many sorts of ways about that. But if you would look at it objectively with some intelligence, there's really no way to examine and observe history and come to a different conclusion than the conclusion presented in the scriptures that Jesus really lived He really died, and by the power of God, he was really resurrected from the dead. That is a historical matter, proven fact, because the fact of the resurrection really is a historical matter, but that is not where the implications of the resurrection stop. I have taken a few moments, maybe for those of you who don't believe or need reassurance in your belief of Jesus rising from the dead. It really happened. But that's not where it stops for us. In fact, that reality opens the door to something so much more. Because the fact of the resurrection is a historical matter, but also the meaning of the resurrection is a transformational matter. If we can agree that it really happened. If we can agree that Jesus rose from the grave, then that reality has meaning today for reasons you may have missed in what we read. See, in what we read in Matthew chapter 28, there, there, there is meaning for us on today today and how it affects your today, and your tomorrow, and your next day, and how it could have affected your last week. And it will affect you five years from now and 50 years from now, if you're still here. Because the fact of the resurrection is a historical matter. And if history tells us that it happened, if history is true, that it really did happen, then the meaning of that resurrection has a transformational work it wants to do. Because On Easter, this Easter, we don't just celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, and he said he would rise from the dead, and he did it. To say it another way, Jesus called his shot. Jesus predicted his resurrection in unmistakable and straightforward language. If you ever choose to take the time to read the New Testament writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read the the records of conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, you will find him over and over again speaking about how he will be put in the earth for three days and rise again, that the temple will be destroyed and lifted back up because he was not talking about a physical temple. He was talking about himself. He was talking about his own body. He said over and over and over again. They just couldn't process what he was saying. This reality was so significant That the angel, on the first Easter Sunday morning, makes an announcement that some of you, even who've been in church, gone to Easter services for years and years and years, have deleted from your call and response. Come on, some of you have been to Easter services before, and somebody taking a microphone, somebody standing in a seat like me, will shout out from the top. He is risen, and everybody shouts back, he is risen indeed. And you stop short. You stop short of what the angel said. You stop short of the whole meaning that Easter brings to us. Because the angel did not say he is risen. He is risen indeed. I think that's the end of my notes. Why don't you go run on and tell the other disciples. That is not where he stopped. The angel declares he is risen. He is risen indeed. And then he reminds them. This was just as He said. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Just as he said. He said he would do it. And he did it. Everybody in my life that I trust what they say, it is because of what they have done. I bet the same is true for you. Come on, I know you've got some people in your life, do not elbow them right now, come on, do not look at them, but I know you've got some people in your life that tell you stuff, and as they say it, you're like, oh, that's neat, we'll see. Because until they show you, you don't believe them, because they like to talk a lot and not deliver, right? (laughs) <laughs> they like to say they're going to do it, but they don't do it. So you're like, once you show me, then I'll believe you. And I get it. I'm the same way, too. In fact, I, I may be even more that than you because I don't think you understand something about, about people like me, pastors. People love to lie to pastors. They just don't call it lying. I have people all the time. Seems like every day, every week, every month. Uh, t- tell tell me things that they're going to do. <laughs> Tell me things that, 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 that God has started on the inside of them, maybe because they sat in a service, maybe because they listened to a sermon, maybe because they were a part of serving in some capacity, maybe because of a small group they went to, maybe because of a class they attended. And they said, they said they'll say, Michael, listen, man, that, that was such an incredible, blank. I am going to change and going to be different. <laughs> and sometimes in the back of my mind, I think, do you know how many times you have said that and you still ain't no different? Do you know how many times you said you're going to start praying and you still don't pray? Do you know how many times you said you're going to start being generous and you're still as stingy as them all? Do you know how many times that you have said you were going to stop, stop doing that or start doing that or start trusting or start coming or start leading? Do you know how many times I will believe it when I see it? And the reason I push back with that, and you do too, don't judge me, is because they have been someone who says things, they don't do. So you don't trust what they say. But you also have people that when they give you your word, it leaves your mind, it leaves your heart, it leaves your to-do list and your emotions because you know they are good on their word. You know that they will do what they said they do, not because they say it, not because of even how they say it, but because in the past they have done they said they were going to do i hope you hear me on this easter i hope you are alive and awake even though you're still sipping your coffee at church online i hope you are catching what the spirit of god is trying to say to you today because the meaning of the resurrection is a transformational matter because jesus did not just rise from the dead and surprise all his onlookers. He did what he said he was going to do. And so, friend, if you believe what the resurrected one did, today I'm telling you, trust what the resurrected one said. If you believe that on the third day, if on early that first Easter morning, Jesus moved a stone and by the power of God, walked up out of that grave, that the angels sat on a tombstone to be the greeters and the hosts and the hostesses to the onlookers who would come first. If the Roman guards put to guard the tomb, fell over fainting like they were dead. And Jesus really got up from the grave then trust what he said if you believe what he did trust what he said if you believe somebody needs to type this in the chat if you believe what he did then trust what he said if you believe what he did, if you are an Easter person, come on, you believe that he really resurrected. You believe that history bears out what is true about that. That yes, he said he was going to rise from the dead, and he did rise from the dead. Now I can trust whatever the resurrected one has said. So what did he say then? I am so glad you asked. Because there is hope in the resurrection. Because there is hope peace and joy and comfort in the resurrection because the resurrected one did what he said he would do. And if he did that, he can do whatever else he said. But what did he say? Write these down if you're taking notes today. Jesus said that he would renew you. Jesus said, yes, I'm going to rise on the third day. Jesus also said He would renew you. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, "Come to me, every one of you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. I bet every single week you tell somebody how exhausted you are. Maybe you tell your, your best friend, maybe you tell your spouse. Maybe you tell your children, maybe you tell, maybe you tell your grandmama, maybe you tell your professor, maybe you tell your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance. You tell how exhausted you are, because we are. Some of us are exhausted because mentally, the weight that we carry every single day, trying to navigate this life, trying to make right decisions, trying to do things and organize things, it's heavy and we just feel exhausted some of you are exhausted because every time you turn on the news you hear about things going on in our city going on in our state going on in our country going on in our world and it sucks the life out of you and there's just this exhaustion that comes over you because you feel like our world is falling apart newsflash it is you, 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 you feel like whatever it was that maybe you could trust in, in system or in, in, in government or in you, you, you feel like it's all going away. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting hearing about what's happening. It's exhausting hearing stories of wars and rumors of other wars. It's exhausting. Some of you, you... Have so much stacked onto your plate, and your work, with your home, in your life, with your obligations, with people you're trying to help, with people that you love, people you're taking care of in this season of life. And you're trying to make life go, and it's, and it's heavier, and it's more complicated than you thought, and you sometimes just want to see you sit in your car and you turn the music up loud so you can't even hear your own thoughts, and you're just exhausted. Some of you are exhausted because you're trying to make this year better than last year, and this year ain't cooperating. Some of you, you're exhausted because you're trying to be oppressive to people that are around you, and carrying all this is so heavy, it's so weighty, and you don't even feel like you were built for it. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all of you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Can I tell you something today, friend? You will never find the rest that your soul craves anywhere outside of Jesus. We trick ourselves into thinking that if we had one more vacation, it would fix all this. You won't come back from that vacation. I don't care how much you spend on it with any more rest than you have right now because you're trying to cope and you're trying to medicate with a heavy burden that Jesus said give to me. Jesus said, I'll carry that. And when I carry it, I will renew you. You think that you'll get it fixed if you can just get one more raise. Come on, if you can get to that income bracket. Come on, if you can just get to that amount of money. Come on, you can get to that salary. Then it'll fix it. Some of you think you can fix it with just one more drink. If I just get one more drink, then I'll cool out. One more drink and I'll be fine. One more drink and my mind will be at rest. If I can just give one more like, just a little bit more attention online over here, then it'll do me right. Then it'll do me good. No, it won't. Jesus said, He's the one who renews us. He's the one who will take what we carry that's heavy and give us what he has for us that is so light. Friends, today, if Jesus said he'd renew you, he can renew you and he will renew you, just like he said. Jesus said he'd renew you. But Jesus also said some other things, and I can't get to everything Jesus said, but I must also let you know on today, you can write it down, that Jesus said he'd guide you. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse 13, he said, when the spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He says, my spirit is going to live inside of everyone who believes. And I will lead you and I will guide you. The resurrected one will. You know, we have a problem on today. We live in a day where we have access to literally all the information in all the world. And it's wonderful. It comes to a service most of us refer to by the verb that is Google. We will Google information. And there's nothing wrong with Googling information. You should Google directions to places that you don't know how to get to. You should Google recipes for dishes you don't know how to cook. You should Google these things. It's great. The problem is, for the better part of the last six or seven years, we have begun to Google guidance. There are reports put out about the searches people put into Google, what it is you're looking for. And sure, we're in there looking for information, but in an exponentially growing way, we are now Googling to try to find answers to questions about ourselves. Should I take this job? Should I break up with my boyfriend? Is it time to move on? How do I know when? See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And Google is a great source of knowledge and a terrible source of wisdom. But some of us are trying to find direction and find purpose and find meaning in our lives by going to Google. And good Lord, we're missing it. But what it speaks to is this starvation on the inside of us, trying to figure out, am I doing the right thing? Trying to figure out, am I going the right way? Trying to figure out, am I making sense of this life? We don't need knowledge. We need wisdom. And that's what Jesus has promised. He can direct you when you don't know where to go and don't know where to turn. He can lead you. When you don't know what is the right decision, when you've got two pretty good decisions or two great decisions or seven options and none of them seem that great. He can lead you by the wisdom of his spirit, by the truth of his word, by the camaraderie of his people. He can guide you and will guide you to where you need to be. He said he would and he will. See, if Jesus said he'd guide you, he can guide you. And he will guide you, just as he said. Jesus said he renew you. And he said he guide you. And while I could spend the entirety of your Easter day rehashing for you things that Jesus said that he will do, that he can do for you. There is but one more I want to bring your attention to on today, as it is the most important one. Jesus said he'd save you. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, one of Jesus' disciples, the apostle known as John, the one who Jesus loved was in his older years of life, has this vision, and he sees resurrected Jesus. And in verse 20, resurrected Jesus says to John, and John pins down, Jesus uttering these words. He says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. This is John communicating the words of Jesus saying, listen, even to you on today, I am standing at the door of your heart and I am knocking. I am asking to come in. I am asking to come in, because I want to prove to you that I really can guide you, and I really, really will renew you, and I really will restore you, and I really will save you. I stand at the door and I knock. If you'll let me in, I will come in. But here's the pushback from some of us. Some of you don't believe that you need salvation because that's what Jesus says I stand at the door and I'm knocking do you want me to save you because I will the pushback from some of us though is we don't think we need to be saved because we're Oh, no offense preacher I'm, I'm a good person I ain't, I ain't done anybody any wrong Come on I'm, I'm upstanding i'm moral i'm a law-abiding citizen whatever it is i work hard i'm a family person uh, come on i just I, 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 I you know what i even serve some i serve the city and do things i'm a good person some of you don't believe you need salvation and i understand that Except for the fact that Jesus said you did. And if I believe what the resurrected one did, then I trust what the resurrected one said. And so even though I may look at myself on some days and feel like I'm a pretty good person, I need salvation. You need salvation. Not because I feel like I'm good or I don't feel like I'm good. Jesus said I needed salvation. He said he is the way. He said he is the truth. He said he is the life. He said no one comes to the Father except through him. I am the door, Jesus said. And your goodness will not give you access to the Father. Your your neatness and your niceness and your law-abidingness will not give you access to the salvation that you need. You need salvation because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I am the way there. So if you believe what the resurrected one did, you have to trust what the resurrected one said. And I know that some of you don't believe you need salvation. But, friend, Jesus said you do. Jesus said I do. Therefore, I need it. Some of you, though, it's not that you don't believe that you need to be saved. You don't believe that you're able to be saved. And I get that, too. I get feeling and recognizing how awful we are, how broken we are, how, yes, other people may see us in a certain way, but we know us, and we know what we are and what we're not, and we know what we've done and what we do that nobody knows that we do. We know. Jesus said, if anyone, somebody needs to say that out loud sitting in your living room, watching this in the car, if anyone hears my voice, and response. The person who does not believe salvation is available to them. If you hear his voice and respond, if you respond to his knock, if even the person who doesn't feel like they need salvation because they're a good person, if you respond to his knock, see, because some of you don't believe that you're able to be saved. And while I may get that, there's a giant exception Jesus said that you can be. He said, I will come in. If anyone responds, anyone who responds to the knock, I will come in and I will renew you. Jesus said, I will come in and I will guide you. I will come in and I will restore you. I will come in and I will save you. I will come in and I will do just what I have promised. Friend, if Jesus said he'd save you, he can save you. And he will save you. Just as he said. Because what the angel announced on that first Easter Sunday morning resonates to you and for you in this moment. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That fact is a historical reality. And he did. Just what he said. So that means we can trust today whatever he has said. If he said you can be saved, you can be saved. If he said you can be healed, then you can be healed. If he said you can be restored, then you can be restored. If he said that you can be free and them addictions don't have to bind you anymore, you can be free. Not because you work it out, but because the resurrected one said so. And so today, if you're watching me, you're listening at Church Online, you're watching uh, on YouTube, you're listening on the podcast, you're watching this on demand. I don't care how or where you've arrived at this moment. I do not believe it is by accident. But maybe for some of you, for the first time in your life, or maybe even as a form of recommitment to his way because you have wandered from his way. You have wandered from his way because you haven't trusted in what the resurrected one has said. And you would say, Michael, I need salvation, I need to be saved. I I need for God to do what only God can do. And I've been trying to do it on my own or I haven't really seen even my need or haven't even seen the ability for me to be. But there's something in me today that wants to respond to the knock of Jesus on my heart. You can today. And you can be saved in a moment as certain that you will spend eternity with the Father as if you were already there. Because the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, Just like he said, you shall be saved. So right now, I'm going to pray with you and for you. And wherever you are, going on a walk, watching this in your car, sitting in the living room, gathered around a TV, got your phone pulled out, sitting in your bed, I don't care where you are. You can receive the free gift of God's grace by faith right now. Would you repeat this with me? Say, Jesus, today, I respond to your call. I recognize you are knocking on the door of my heart. And I need you to save me. And I believe that you, the resurrected one, can save me because you said you could save me. And so Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Cover me in the blood that you provided as the once and for all covering for my sin. Forgive me. And help me to follow you, Jesus, as you show me how. Change me. Forgive me. Because I want to spend the rest of my life following you. And all of eternity. Giving worship to you. For all that you've done for me. I pray these things, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Friend, if you pray that prayer, Christ lives on the inside of you right now, you are saved because he said so. And what I'd love for you to do, particularly if you're watching at church online, if you're watching this after the fact, you can jump onto our website at believing.church and contact us there. But I would love for you to let us know. Fill out a yellow card if you're watching at church online. It's available right there at the top of the screen. Let us know that you've put your faith in Jesus. We wanna follow up with you. We wanna help you get baptized. We wanna help you take this faith and go live it out. Why? (laughs) that's what he said for us to do. And so we don't just put our trust in what the resurrected one did. We do our best to follow fully everything that the resurrected one has said. And so we want to celebrate with you today for all that Jesus has done on this Resurrection Sunday. God bless you, and I pray and I hope I will see you next Sunday right here at Believe.